0: What's up, Story Geeks? It's Daryl. And Jay. On today's show, we are going to dig deeper into Get Out.
1: Third episode in our Scary Movie Month series... And it's going to be an awesome show. Joining us on today's podcast, Megan Salinas from Silver Screams and After Buzz TV, who's been on the show before, so you guys know her. And also Michael Young, who's been on the show a bunch of different times. We always get great comments with Michael. Um, you can always check him out at Nerd Soul. And we would also love to hear your thoughts on
0: Get Out. So you can share those with us in the Story Geeks Facebook group. The link to the group is
1: in the show notes. Also, you don't want to miss our upcoming shows, but you also don't want to miss the shows that we've already done. We've had some awesome shows already this Scary Movie Month, starting with A Quiet Place with Marquia McCarty, which was amazing, and then
2: The Meg, The
1: Meg, with Ali Plum. So make sure you hit the subscribe button because we've got more in Scary Movie Month to deliver to you. That's right. So thanks for listening, you guys. As
0: always, the Story Geeks podcast is produced by the Reclamation Society, and let's dig in to Get Out. Okay, so we are going to jump into Get Out. First of all, ladies first. We have Megan Salinas returning to the show.
3: Hey, everybody! Thanks so much for having me back. Yeah,
0: remind everybody what you're up to and where they can find you and all that stuff. Uh,
3: I'm a, a host at AfterBuzz TV. I do a lot of stuff there. I also host a Lost retrospective podcast called No Love Lost. And again, if you're <laughs> if horror is more of your thing, my YouTube channel Silver Screams. Where uh, check it out. My co-host and I uh, react to horror things and we discuss them with vlogs, uh, and there's a series called Horror Q&A where I watch a horror movie, and she asks me questions about it because she refuses to watch it. <laughs> it's a good time. I like that. I
2: like that. Which cool. is
0: exactly why when we when we dreamt up Scary Movie Month, we were like, well, we have to ask Megan. And then our other guest, we've got our buddy Michael Young over here. Welcome back so, to the up? show. How many times? What, what is Are your you, number now? Do we owe you a jacket? Three or four. That's more I than I think, think it might be five.
1: Phantom Menace. That was a, Menace. technically a two-parter.
0: Yeah. So. Justice
1: League. Black Panther.
2: Sleep Black Panther.
0: Story I Geek Awards. I
3: guess
2: Yeah. The the
3: important think. question here is did you keep the punch card for your free coffee at the oh, end of it? Yeah. Man. Oh we
0: he, g- he gets and a I jacket. He gets yeah. the five timers jacket. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's but still I, in the mail. <laughs> it'll be in the mail for years. I mean, I mean, it'll be in the mail for a while. Yeah. Um, you
2: can find me nerdsoul N E I D S U L at that Nerd soul on all channels, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.
1: He interviewed me, and he, he doesn't tell me what it is. I'm, I don't know what it is. And I'm like, hey, where do you, where, what do you mean prep for? He's like, no, no prep. I'm like, what do you mean no prep? <laughs> I just show he, up. He's like, you decide the topic, whatever you want to talk about for, for however long. I'm like, okay. So you can go see that. Uh, by the time this comes out, you'll be able to see that
2: on yeah. your YouTube channel. We actually tell like three or four funny stories in that. So yeah. <laughs> there you yeah. go. Uh-huh. Well,
0: guys, thanks for being with us yet again. It's going to be fun to dive into this one with our pals. So let's do it. So, this is Scary Movie Month, and all of these movies are theoretically scary. I don't know if we could say that about The Meg, but that's a different podcast. You can go back and listen yeah, to that one. Yeah, last week's <laughs> podcast. Um, so, we start off with this question. What makes Get Out scary?
3: That's an interesting one. Um, I do want to say, I just like right off the bat, Jordan Peele has an excellent sense of suspense and pacing uh he you can tell just it just i know this is his directorial debut but if you're familiar with his comedy uh in in any regard you know that he's a big fan of the genre and yeah. it's hard to sort of quantify but like just watching this movie you can tell it's crafted with a lot of love for movies like *Rosemary's Baby* and *The Stepford Wives*, and uh, a, a, I know a lot of people have already made the comparison to *The Twilight Zone*, yeah. like it is right at home alongside any one of those. Mm. It's so it's sort of hard to define, um, but I, I I think for what really makes it scary is just. The core concept behind it, you know, the the fact that there are people who are smiling at you, who you can tell right from the get go, do not, they don't, they don't mean good things for you. They intend you harm, but they're smiling yeah. at you the whole time. It's it's sort of breaking down that facade of what's supposed to be inviting. Um, And there are a lot of a lot of thematic things, in particular, uh, where I we'll touch on it. But um, I remember watching a YouTube think piece on it about like the the fear of unwanted attention is sort of like Mm. a big crux of the movie. That's good. That's
1: really good. So, one of the things I think that is amazing about this film is the way that he treats the escalation of fear. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is a lot of movies just jump right into their core premise of like, this is terrifying. But what he does is he like works these fears in one at a time. Like the first fear he introduces is meeting your lover's family. Yeah. Right. And it's, our and it's something universal. Acceptance. It's universal. Like I, everybody knows what that is. The second one is navigating cultural differences because now he's met them and it's a very different culture. And now we're like butting up against one another and, and trying to explore that. Right. But those things also play off our need for acceptance, our need for community, the threat that intimacy represents. Um, then he ups the ante again, and now it's uh, dealing with centuries of racism and this lingering impact. Um, the cautiousness with which we approach one another about even the subject matter there. And then finally, he just hits us over the head with- <laughs> Literally. The spiritual yeah. or at least deeply held beliefs that become a driving force for love or hate in the world. <clears throat> and, like, it just escalates on top of one another. It's like the crafting of that. The first time I watched this film, it had been after the hype train. And so I'm like,
2: yeah, it was good.
1: And I watched it this time, and I was, like, paying attention to every little thing. I'm like, this is a masterpiece, dude. Like, the way that he crafts these yeah. one of these things. When
2: you watch it the second time, <laughs> you're like, "You're like, oh, Wow! Yeah, exactly. So that's why he wrote this part and this
0: part exactly. Was, it's, it's, and then you watch it again solid. with commentary, and you're like, "Holy! Oh, crap. see, I've never watched it yeah. with commentary."
3: <laughs> I was lucky enough um, a, a little while ago to see a screening of it where they did a Q and A with Jordan Peele mm. afterwards. So that was super oh, okay, okay. cool. Um, but yeah, just the use of foreshadowing in the movie, and uh, it's it's so freaking clever you're like this is not fair you're a first time director how are you this good yeah exactly. if you watch the
0: commentary he t- he talks about all that stuff throughout it and he's spouting out all of this brilliance but he's saying it as if he's like talking about what he saw on tv last night he's like so we were <laughs> thinking about this and, blah, 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 blah. and it's like whatever dude So yeah. blasé yeah. but it's brilliance. <laughs> you're awesome come on man <laughs>
2: Uh man. Uh what makes this movie so scary is that it's real. Mm. Yeah. And this happens and the villains are real people. See sometimes you can disassociate like uh say Jason, uh Freddie, mm. Michael Myers um, you know, uh, Pumpkinhead. You, know, you know, the <laughs> Meg. You know. You're like Leprechaun. When any you, of those when you shoot a
3: bazooka at Michael Myers and he's still standing, you're, your your suspension <laughs> of disbelief kind of goes out the window, and you're yeah. like, okay, we're just here for some goofy, goofy fun times. Yeah, yeah.
2: But when you have a movie that, and I know people have joked about it, especially in the black community, where it's like, oh, there's a new documentary coming out called, <laughs> 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 but everyone. That saw at least everyone on Black Twitter that saw that was like, "Oh, this movie's gonna be good." Like we already knew. It was like, "Oh, this movie's gonna be good," because this movie happens. Like this is, Mm -hmm. this is now of course Hollywood ratches things up, but um, it's real. It happens at the grocery store. It happens at the mall. Or it happens at school and class. You know, at work. So people have been in these situations where it's like, okay, there's this work event. I'm the only Black guy at my job. If I don't go, then it's gonna be like, they're gonna notice that I didn't go. Yeah. But then if I go, it's kind of like all eyes on you. Right. So it's, it's very weird and, you know, knowing that fear, he's kind of already, at least for a lot of the black fan base and then some of the people of color uh, fan base as well, they're already bought in because it's like, oh, I've lived this. That's what makes it so scary because you're like, yeah, these people, these people are, you know, delivering your packages, or these people are at the bank, or these, like, these people exist. I mean, outside of the, probably the, the head cutting <laughs> and the, the swapping. Dude, the we, don't I somewhere too. <laughs> we don't know. We don't
3: know. Yeah, I, I think that's the crux of it, is that there's a level of authenticity to so much of this movie that it really resonates yeah. with a lot of people in that regard.
0: I don't really have a whole lot to add. I mean, you guys have already said everything that I would say. <laughs> I will say one very specific thing, and I'll call out one scene, which is the scene where the grandfather runs directly at Chris uh, yes. and then veers off at the last second. Yeah. That's one of my, like, weird little tiny nightmares. Like Someone running at you? I'll, like, I'll, like, I'll be out on the street and see somebody that looks kind of creepy to me and in my head, I'm like, what if they just turn and start running at me? <laughs> you know? You're playing scenarios. <laughs> yeah. You've got to clothesline them, man. Yeah. <laughs> you got to come out of the way at the last second. I took a screenwriting class in college, uh-huh. which I didn't, I don't remember any of it. But <laughs> but I wrote I wrote a script, like a short film, and I wrote that into my film. Like, a dude just turns and runs at the protagonist. Oh, and it's terrifying. So when I saw that, I was like, that? Okay. Yeah, that's scary. That it's scares like, me. That's meal. scary. How
3: did you... Here into my nightmares <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay so one of the most artful things in this movie is the way that the storytellers deal with conversations about race so here are some examples of that we'll just kind of do a, a quick fire through these I want to see what you guys think about these the question is why is it important for these things to occur in the film that's what we're getting at what okay. about these racially charged statements brings meaning to the story there's so much in this movie that do, doing a quick fire is kind of hard, but we'll do the best we can. The first one is when Chris asks Rose if her parents know that he's black.
2: That's, that's a very important part because the, when, when you're someone who's black and you're dating someone who's white, you want you already know that there's, there's history in this country mm. between these two ethnicities or races or whatever. So you're like, I don't want to surprise your family. We're not too far removed from, I can't vote. Mm. Or if a white man is walking down the sidewalk, I have to get off the sidewalk. We're not that far from it. Mm. Like my mother was integrated into school in high school. Or yeah, in high school. Crazy. Um, So we're not that far. That's why I think it's very important. It already shows that he's, His his back hairs are already coming up. Yeah. They're already starting. They're not even there yet. And he's (laughs) already like I don't wanna go. (laughs) Uh, Yeah.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I I think that's it's a fair question for him to ask because you don't and, and, and from the audience point of view, too, we know something's amiss because we, we know we're going into a horror movie. But <laughs> the first time you're watching it, you're like, is this a guess who's coming to dinner scenario mm-hmm. where like they're going to be completely off guard? And you, you really don't know what to expect. And as as somebody... Who he's, uh, who's just generally introverted, he wants to avoid as much of that discomfort as humanly possible. But he knows nothing about them. Like, yeah, sure, his girlfriend Rose seems really cool, that monster um, <laughs> but yeah he has no idea what what to expect from the rest of her family so I feel like it's a fair question for him to ask and a sadly necessary one even in 2008 yeah. 18.
1: it's also a really good example of what I was talking about earlier where he just kind of he does this little tiny thing where like with every line of dialogue the stakes become higher and like you weren't expecting the stakes to become higher, you thought the stakes were just going to be the stakes. But every line of dialogue, it's like, because we're going to go through some more of these, and it's like, oh my gosh, just, just turn yeah. it up yeah. a little bit, turn it up, just turn it up, just turn it up, like it just it's crazy.
3: Up the tension. Yeah, because yeah. right here, that should be a red flag for the audience of like, oh, how long have they been dating? Oh, like she hasn't mentioned this to their parents, yeah, exactly. to her parents in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that her being cool, or is that? her not being cool we don't know
0: yep well it's certainly her putting being on his side which i think is why it's important like she establishes herself as a safe place for him no matter what he's walking into right Mm -hmm. let me read them all off to you and then we'll go through and you guys can just hit on the ones that you think you want to talk about so we have when rose tells chris that her dad would have voted for obama a third time if he (laughs) could have
3: (laughs) (laughs) and then he's I couldn't, <laughs>
2: because it's, that's, just uh, continue. Oh. <laughs> oh. If I could roll my eyes, take them out, roll them down the street. <laughs> Like, roll them down a mountain, just keep rolling. <laughs>
0: uh, we have when Rod tells Chris not to go to a white girl's parents' house.
2: Sound advice, but continue. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we have when Dean Armitage, Roger's dad, he says it's such a privilege to experience other people's cultures, and he also asks Chris what sport, what his sport is, and he actually says a lot. One of the more subtle ones, though, is when he says, "Turns out people appear just as messed up as they are in the city." And then we've got when Rose's brother brings up about Chris's genetics. What stands out at you guys? What do you want to? You want to talk about the Obama thing?
3: Just it, It's clear that <laughs> Rose is. Beautiful. She is absolutely gorgeous because I don't know about you guys, but like maybe it's just knowing that they're in a movie. But like, I feel like I would have turned around at some point, like probably around the genetics conversation. I would have been like, okay, well, this has been fun. <laughs> Bye guys.
0: Yeah, right. uh, yeah, The brothers. Oh my gosh.
3: Uh, he's
0: one of the creepiest characters I've ever but seen. But he's also,
2: he's also anxious. Like he wants to get, you can tell he, oh. he likes the, the visceral part. Yeah, of this the like the knocking them out and dragging. Yeah. them. he's like, I want to fight, and if I could put you in a headlock and stuff, and, and they're like, no, like, yeah, gonna he's, hypnotize he's him. He's
3: clearly mm-hmm. overcompensating for yeah. for his own perceived, I guess, weakness. Yeah, uh, and so he he overcompensates through violence. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> okay, so to the statement of anyone who's watching, the the problem with the statement about voting for Obama a third time if you could is you're not saying it because you're like hey i really like president obama and he did some good stuff you're saying it as a way to superficially identify with me because i'm black and that's the problem with it and that's the problem with liberal and what i think brandon easton calls well-meaning whites and what he (laughs) means by that are these like we're liberal and it's like no, you're just as racist as someone on the right. You just hide it behind yoga. <laughs> 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 but it's like, it's, yoga it's, and kale. <laughs> it's like yoga and kale, but still racist. It's like, okay, you. oh, yeah, I, I care about Black Lives Matter. It's great. All right, can I come over and eat dinner tonight? Mm oh well uh, well, you know it's just you know, you know we just we our houses, and then you get that kind of mm. thing once you start to peel that stuff back you find out that it's not that you're really so progressive it's that no I am racist but I'm not as racist
0: <laughs> as these other people
2: that's the statement that really killed me because she said it as a way to be like oh my dad's cool and he's like No, your dad's not cool. And then when he (laughs) says it, it's like, yeah, he's definitely not cool. (laughs) Yeah.
3: And
2: and then it's like, it makes you look at the whole family differently. Even first time watching it, it had me wondering, like, okay, so maybe Rose is cool and her family puts her up
3: to this? So when I was watching the movie for the first time, I was totally expecting something very Stepford Wives-ish to have happened to her family or that they had somehow done this... Unbeknownst to her, for for sure, mm-hmm. it's up until up until that closet door scene, man. Yeah. yeah. But again, yeah, kudos to the actress because she is freaking phenomenal.
1: I'm just gonna piggyback off what you guys have already said because it's brilliant. But this is the modern experience, like yeah. this is a daily occurrence, right? Like, like, I, it's it's just. I've been in these scenarios, and I'm not gonna pretend that I haven't been the one who said something real stupid either, right? Just because we're human beings. We say things that are st- super make dumb. We all Yeah. Um, but I've been in conversations where I'm like, oh my gosh, why are you saying that? Like, <laughs> that is not the thing to say. Um, I wish that it, w- it wasn't that way, but the, the way he captures it in this film is remarkable. And at this, and at this point too, I think like, we've got, this, we've got this, this nation, and I don't know how other nations are. I haven't dealt with this situation in other nations, but we're all, when we exit our houses, we're all walking into this minefield of possibilities, right? Yeah. Where you could step on a minefield at any time. And it's just, it's really, really fascinating to me the way that they handle it. And it's just really good. I think that there's these, um, it's so accurate to our experiences and you can just see that there are multiple meanings and in our interpretations under each layer. Like, like, yeah. so one of the things that I thought was really amazing because I was watching the film and so, and a lot of it's like, you know, voted for Obama a third time. It's like, well, that's, that's a little bit more obvious, yeah, but,
2: but it's, it's kind of one of those things where, uh, I guess you're kind of like, okay, this is, this is weird. And he's kind of like the corny guy. And I guess I expected this. Right. I can just make it through the weekend. Right. Kind of one of those things.
1: Right. Exactly. My favorite line of all was when he says, and this is, this is a really fascinating one to me. And it's such good writing because I hear this kind of thing all the time. When Dean turns to Chris and says, it turns out people up here are just as messed up as they are in the city. And you're like, you
2: just said the people in this, why would you assume the people in the city are messed up? Yeah. Why would you assume that? That's a very, that's almost probably like a a throwaway thought that he thinks isn't bad. Exactly. You're, essentially saying, by virtue of living in the city, that you're messed up. Exactly. And that's the problem. Exactly. And then of course, by virtue of the city, you're really meaning urban, and by urban, you're really meaning black. That's it. So what you're really <laughs> saying is <laughs> like, we need to capture the urban demo. Oh, so you want black kids to make it cool so then you can sell it to, okay, okay, <laughs> I understand. Okay, I got it. Yeah. But it's, so it's, it's kind of that thing where, but, even even myself because uh, Lisa she's been on the show my yeah, wife yeah. Yeah. me and her talk like would you leave would you get out of there would you you know get out right right and I'm like honestly it's one of those statements where it's like you know what it's two days I've dealt with racism before right it's two days. I'll be home. Right. And It is kind of one of those things, but then it gets which is really more his attitude. You can more. see the whole time yeah. he's just yeah. like, and, but then oh, it's, it's okay, like it's, it's okay. more, yeah. and, more <laughs> and more and more and it's just like, "Oh no, 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 no." Yeah. <laughs> and, and to be fair,
3: there's no way for him to have predicted what their actual plan was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. Cuz yeah.
2: you get there and yeah. it's just like, "Okay, they're kind of like the regular run of the mill stuff that you get at work or in school or something. So, I can take this for 2 days." Right. You know, it's 2 days. We'll be back Sunday night or whenever they were planning on going back. I can take it. Right.
0: I <laughs> think this stuff is part of what makes it so universal, too, because like the, Ob- the Obama thing and the genetics and stuff like that and talking about how fast black people can run and st- things like that, yeah. like it's very over the top. And I remember watching it the first time. I'm like I'm thinking like, well, would this have been scarier if he was a little more subtle with it? But it's the over the top stuff that helps those of us that don't suffer from racism identify with it. You yeah, know what I mean? The- like, it's like, well, okay, even if I can't identify because I'm white this is still super uncomfortable and I yes, can identify like, with that like, why you is he know?
2: saying this, why is he going out of the way to yeah. say
3: this <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sort of, just from a very personal perspective, I'm a, in a very weird position um, when it comes to like looking at this movie because I come from a, a family where my, my dad is Mexican mm. uh, he's full blooded Mexican although second generation, and my mom is white, so I'm 50% Mexican and 50% white and so there are a lot, of, and I wasn't raised speaking spanish like i can barely speak it it's Mm. embarrassing um but there are lots of situations where i'm too mexican to be white and too white to be mexican Mm. so like i've i've kind of been on both sides of this Mm. scenario of Mm. being like i'm too white to be with the everybody else Mm. in this in this party setting and then vice versa like I'll I'll look over at my I distinctly remember there was one day I was hanging out with a group of friends and literally all of them were white and blonde except for me and I was just like (laughs) one of these things is not like the other (laughs) um so so I really I felt for Chris in this scenario but also there's like this understanding of like well this family's trying it's a different type of racism mm. but they're well meaning maybe? maybe um yeah. and, and so it's there's definitely a level of the discomfort for Chris that I I definitely identified with even though I'm not African American but like mm. it, yeah it's it's it it, it it speaks to the complexity of racial issues in this country yep. um because it's It's not it's something that we like all have to deal with, but at varying degrees. I have another friend who is full blooded Mexican who also gets treated like she's too white in certain situations just Mm. because she speaks English and, you know, got good grades. Mm. So it's it's a very it's a it's a very complex issue. It doesn't necessarily matter what racial background you're from. There's always something to navigate. Right. I definitely don't want to call this person out or anything like that, but I definitely had a friend in college who said uh, she she said something offensive um, and was in trouble for it. And she's like, "I'm not racist. You're like, you're one of my best friends." And I was just like, uh. it's like <laughs> uh, "Okay,
2: <Yeah>. that's racist. <laughs> it's not as racist, but let it's me not tell not you as why." <laughs> <laughs> when when you When you use a friend of yours as a shield from critique Hmm. of a racist thing that you've said about a group, that's racist. Because you're not then using the friend as someone who you identify with, love, and care for. Hmm. That friend is literally a shield or a facade that you have to pull out when necessary to be like, look, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> look.
3: And the, the thing about it look is, look at Megan. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't Scorpio. possibly be racist. I love Mexican people. It's like Donald Trump taking a you know a picture like with a taco bowl at Trump Tower, <laughs> going like, "I love Hispanics."
2: <laughs>
1: <gasps> <laughs> I feel like oh, we. I man. feel. Like, I feel like we all need to just wear around like racist odometers oh, yeah. <laughs> you can be like oh that that just went above like, it's no, like no, <laughs> that, like walk you around really that guy it. It, it, like it moves it moves like, it moves like somebody
2: says something it's like yeah <laughs> yeah, it's getting into the red right now. It's getting into the red.
3: Oh, See, funny. I I can't do that because there are people who I love dearly where it would be going off all the time, and I'm like, oh, you're you're a good person. You just have a lot of antiquated yeah well, I- uh, I think, ideals. I
2: think a great um I think a great statement comes from there was this uh, older lady that was interviewed during Brexit. She was in the UK. Oh, okay. And she said straight to the camera, I don't like black people and I don't know why. If we could get more Whoa. people to get there, mm. just to get there, because America doesn't even want to admit that racism is real. So <laughs> if we could get to We know there, it's wrong, so can, we're
3: like, I can't be racist the, yeah, because yeah, so it's only like, evil people are racist. Yeah. yeah,
2: so it's, you know, and of course it has to do with how America and Hollywood has sold racism. Racism is, you know, you're burning crosses. And like, that's it. It's like, no, racism has levels. I got this last week. When you walk by, you're getting out, the. you're in the parking lot, and you're walking somewhere, and somebody hits the lock on you again, like in the car, oh, they yeah, hit the lock yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, that's racist. And, and the idea is like racism is even illogical in the idea like, okay, so I brought my car. I'm going to park my car. Steal your car. <laughs> what am I gonna do with my car?
3: Am
2: yeah. I just gonna leave or I'm gonna circle back and get mine? Or yeah, like, yeah, yeah. What you, what am I gonna do with my I'm car? I'm not gonna
1: steal your geostorm, brother. Or,
2: <laughs> <laughs> or like I have seen um I've seen ladies like kind of slide to the side in the elevator. Stuff like that. So like small stuff. Yeah. Is Microaggressions. Yeah, yeah, like very small things where it's um and I mean a lot of people that are either watching or listening, you know, it's more of a thing that you can feel. It's like you can feel it, like kind of like the Obama thing. Mm-hmm. Like just saying the Obama, like I oh, voted for Obama a third time. It's like oh cool, well that's great. Because I mean, <laughs> if you just hear, it, you're like oh well, you know, you really like him. With- but you can feel it
1: for sure.
0: Hmm. Okay, um, so here's the next question. When Chris sits down with Rose's mother, Missy, she tells him that hypnotism causes heightened suggestibility. So that's an interesting choice of words, and. Um, we want to talk about how are we hypnotized by race in the Western world and what does heightened suggestibility look like in our lives?
1: I love the word choice here, <laughs> heightened suggestibility, <laughs> because I believe that our we're actually, all of us, are constantly dealing with this heightened suggestibility. What, what narratives do we tell ourselves every single day? This is one of the reasons why we started the Story Geeks podcast, because those narratives are out there and those narratives are repeated to us in story all the time and until you start to break it down and go what is that narrative actually telling me like what what about that narrative because you could i think a lot of people you could just go oh yeah i would assume that like being outside the city would be better than being inside the city okay why would you assume that what goes into that belief system why did you choose to say that what made you say that and what narratives have you been believing that would make you believe that. So when they say heightened suggestivity, heightened suggestibility, what I love about it is I feel like it's so accurate to our experiences in the, in the real world. And I can't speak to the African-American experience in this particular case or the black American experience, um, whatever word you want to use, I can't speak to it. But as I watch this film, I'm like, what better words to describe what I perceive to be a narrative that has been driving on this one race of people and other races of people too, but heightened suggestibility, how, when you wake up today, do you feel good about yourself. Or do you feel bad about yourself? When you leave your house, do you feel good about yourself? or Do you feel bad about yourself? When you run into people today and you, and you get the narrative is repeated to you again and again. Like we live in an era of heightened suggestibility. And it's mm-hmm. just, it's just. I think it's, it's pretty sad. And I would like us to take the time to look at a movie like this and then break down those narratives. Why does that narrative exist? Tell me a different narrative. Show me a different narrative. I want to see a different narrative. I want to see how this works, how this plays itself out. And stories are some of the most powerful ways of doing that. And I just think that the way that he puts that phrase in there and the way that she uses it against him, I'm like he. And we'll get into this more as we talk about the sunken place soon. Mm-hmm. But it's just a very. It's just so artful the way he weaves that in.
2: Yeah.
3: Oh, um, I actually, uh, I, I can't take credit for this interpretation. Um, Screen Prism did a, a really interesting uh, video on talking about this heightened suggestibility is actually the hypnotic effect of the media. Mm-hmm. Um, beca- they, they make a point early on of saying that <coughs> Chris was hypnotized when he knew his mom, was, you know, that something was wrong. And instead of acting, he was sort of hypnotized mm. by the television um, because he didn't want to acknowledge that it was real. Mm. And uh, according to Screen, uh, screen Prism's uh, sort of interpretation, uh, when he gets hypnotized, it's it's supposed to be evocative of a lot of the the conventional narratives, as you were pointing out, lulling audiences into a false sense of security, into a place of complacency. Like that's one of the reasons why Rose turning out to be a villain is such a great thing because audiences always have come to expect because of the way a lot of narratives are sold to them come to expect that olive branch from the one good from the white savior from the one good white person that's gonna solve (laughs) racism in most movies um and and so like um and something that they point out too is that for the people who have gone through this process and have had their bodies hijacked the thing that jolts them out is a flash of light and um and so that again this is according to screen prisms interpretation of the movie um that's what jordan peele is trying to do with this movie this movie is that jolt of light to make audiences woke (laughs) (laughs) i kind of like i kind of dug that i thought that was a pretty good interpretation i think it's awesome
1: i had i had my i had one of my own not necessarily narratives but um because I wasn't necessarily telling myself this, but I became more woke in, <laughs> in this situation. So I, ha- I had this this scenario, and Daryl used to tease, tease me about it because it actually happened when I, when I was working with Daryl. I go to for a run <laughs> at night, right? Mm-hmm. I was wondering if you were gonna bring this. Yeah, up. Yeah, I'm gonna bring this up because <laughs> it, it helped me understand it from another perspective that I did not understand it from before. So I go to to do uh, I go to run. Uh, it's a, and it's late. It's like nine o'clock at night or something like that. It's in the summer. And I used to live. I used to live like in this sort of area. Okay, so it's it's a very nice area, but it's super white, like super white. Okay, so I'm going for my I'm going for my run, and I used to. I will say this. I used to jump the fence all the time because it was a gated community. <laughs> I used to jump the fence. So I'm like, I, I don't want to take a key with me. It's taking too long. I'm gonna just jump the fence. <laughs> so I jumped the fence, and I think I jumped the fence. Read I don't a even remember. For life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm running down. I'm running down the street like literally jogging and this and the cop car um rolls past yeah, it's not unusual like whatever and i see like a family like two people with their dog and then i see like it's some other people come by with their kids right and it's just like it's a it's a super nice neighborhood it's like a neighborhood or whatever nothing ever nothing people. bad ever happens here you know it's a suburban um so i'm i'm running along cop car turns around pulls over and pulls over in front of me and uh and the officer's like hey you see anything weird and I'm like, I saw two people and a dog, and I saw some people and a kid. And now I always see a cop. <laughs> talking yeah, to me. and I'm like, so yeah, no, I haven't, I haven't. I seen
3: saw it. a cop do a U-turn yeah, without exactly. using their turn I signal. I saw a cop
2: do a legal <laughs> U-turn.
3: <laughs> so, that looked pretty weird to me. Yeah,
1: so, I, so I'm like, no, I, I haven't seen anything weird. He's like, all right, just maybe keep your eyes out for anything weird. I'm like, all right, so I continue on. Uh, dude pulls over. Dude goes around like he's like. Gone for a little while. Pulls back up. This time he like pulls in front of me and like turns on the light. And I'm like, okay, what the hell? So he goes, he goes. um, He says to me, "You sure you haven't seen anybody suspicious?" I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you've seen somebody suspicious or something. What's going on? And um, and he goes, "This is what he tells me. This is this is crazy town." He goes, "I we got a call about a suspicious person." Male, about six foot, Hispanic, without his shirt on. And I go, This is what I'm thinking. Like so Not it. illegal, not illegal, not illegal. Right? <laughs> it's okay for me to be without my shirt on, which oh, by the way, I had a shirt. I had oh, a shirt. <laughs> oh, you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well see this is the thing though, right? Like oh, like dear. this this had never this had never occurred to me before and and he came in and and then he said like if if fits your description did you were you were, I was wearing a shirt and so he's like did you wipe your face I'm like I didn't wipe my face I haven't taken my shirt off I don't know what you're talking about like I haven't done anything I live right up the street what do you want me to do <laughs> right and um and he pulled back around to his credit he pulled back around and said hey we followed up on it they did call the cops on you they called the cops on me because now I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say if they called the cops on me cuz I was jumping the fence. Oh, that's maybe. a little weird, okay? Okay. But if they didn't see me jump the fence, I'm like, dude, then what then in just, the world?
2: Yeah, then that's just that's just straight up nosy snitching. People have way too much time on their hands.
1: Yes. <laughs> they do. Well, okay, so the reason I didn't even bring it up is just cuz like what it would a it was the first time I knew that, that that racism existed, of course, right? I mean, I was I grew up where I could see the fires from the uh, the ninety two, uh, the Rodney King, mm-hmm. the riots after that. What was riot? Why am I not remembering the what they were called? The L.A. riots. L.A. riots, not Watts riots, but the LA yeah, riots. yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember seeing that, so I know that racism existed. I knew there was a thing, but to have it occur in such a, but I wasn't. I was literally not doing anything. Like That was the first time where it was like, uh, like you're calling me guilty. And the only reason you're calling me guilty is because you thought that I was the wrong color. And I wasn't even the wrong color. I can't even, but it was an experience that was like, that's insane. I did not know that that's the level that I would experience in this area.
2: And imagine navigating that every day just because you have to. Like it's because it's, if you if you don't know, you can kind of look through media. Black men are kind of like the vision of crime. Black women are supposed to be the vision of like sexual ownership. Mm. Um And it's been like that basically since slavery. That's how they've kind of like pushed it. So no matter where I go, it's like, what's he doing? Mm. And it's like, not doing anything. What's Michael up to? <laughs> what's he up? Yeah. I think he's doing things. It's just like, now I'm just walking around. But because, through movies, through TV, news, shows, whatever, it's been reinforced. So nice. people that aren't even, people that wouldn't call themselves racist yeah. find themselves being racist or enacting racism because...
1: Heightened suggestibility.
2: Yes. Yep. Um. Now, speaking to her, what was her name? I can't remember the mother's name. Missy. 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 All right, speaking to Missy, I think that her saying that was continuing his hypnosis i think Mm. she started the hypnosis when she first clicked in the daytime oh sure yeah saying the heightened suggestibility through that thought in his mind Mm. to be like oh heightened suggestibility is (coughs) is is possible yeah like those kind of things to kind of like okay now you're open to it now you're getting now Mm. i'm really hypnotizing you because you know even in the day it's it's thrown away, but it's like, no, this is how she does things. Right, 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 right. Um, so that's how I saw it. I saw it as her second stop at getting him there. Right. Um, so I just saw it as a very slow-moving web that she was weaving around him. Absolutely. To kind of get him yeah. ready to be hypnotized, sure. ready to go in this sunken place. I will say one thing about the sunken place, or the way she said it, The the second time she says sink is super scary. <laughs> yes. She's Very like sink. Much. He's like, wait, wait, wait. Sink. Yeah. He's like, whoa. It's <laughs> 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 like whoa. she's all demonic. Especially in yeah. the theater. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and just the way uh, he, he sinks down yeah. in the chair is so well done. Ugh. Yeah, it's Terrifying. And
0: that's the first time they go sort of
2: supernatural
0: yeah. almost. You know, mm-hmm. that's the first time that they really take you beyond. Yeah
2: or the they go supernatural experience. maybe some pseudoscience in yeah, there yeah, but yeah. you know they kind of go into a well, different realm
3: and and you're not entirely sure as as an audience if what we're seeing is actually happening or if or he's if it's gonna just wake up yeah. from yeah. like a, a jump scare dream where yeah. it's like oh no he's just dreaming because something is off something yeah. you know yeah. they do have nefarious intentions in mind but like this is the way his brain is interpreting it but
2: nope it's like no this is really happening this is how it's going down and you can't it's weird you you're looking at him and you want to be able to help him but he's like he's down in the sunken place screaming and he's looking up and it gives you the vision from his perspective yeah to show you what he's experiencing And then when you think of all the other people that have been living, who knows, two, three, four, five, ten years, just looking from that perspective and not being able to do anything, that's got to be
3: sick. This is in terms of like tropes um that i love this is my jam like <laughs> yeah. i love possession stories and like body snatcher stories and <laughs> things like that so like um when when he sinks down in, into the chair and you see the yeah mm-hmm. the the t- kind of like, like TV. Better word, the the theater screen yeah it's like, like TV, up above yeah. him with with the view of missy i was i was like If this is real, then, oh, man, the rest of this movie is just right up my freaking alley.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Before we continue, we want to let you guys know all about the additional content you can find over at thestorygeeks.com. You'll find our latest YouTube videos, Patreon posts, and additional written content from our awesome blogger, Ashley Pauls, who shares her own thoughts on all of our questions. It's all at thestorygeeks.com. And be sure to check out our past episodes, like the first two episodes of our Scary Movie Month series on A Quiet Place and The Meg. And then we also recently did a Make It Better episode on Justice League, which was super fun to talk through. So all of that, plus Ashley's blog posts, can be found at thestorygeeks.com.
1: Yeah, and we'd also love if you would support us. There are three ways to do that. First is Patreon. You can support us monthly through our Patreon page. Patreon is a website that allows fans to support creators like us. When you support the show for as little as $2 a month, we show our thanks by giving you rewards like additional content. If you love what we do, we would really love it if you would become a patron. Please consider supporting us for as little as $2 a month, and we'll thank you by giving additional content back to you. You can find all that over at patreon.com slash thestorygeeks. The link is in the show notes. Also, I want to let you know, on today's Patreon, we have an aftercast, which means we keep talking about this movie. So there's more content on Get Out with Megan and Michael coming up next. You can also purchase the Story Geeks merch. Show your family and friends that you're a super geek who loves digging deeper into science fiction, fantasy, and comic books just like us. It's a great way to support the show. We've also got coffee mugs and everything else. And finally, if you're like me and you're a big theme park fan, check out modernmouseboutique.com. Modern Mouse Boutique sells geek fashion accessories. If you're watching on YouTube, you can actually see what they look like. And they're famous for having some of the highest quality mouse ears that you can buy. If you're planning a trip to a theme park or if you're just a geek fan in general, make sure you check out modernmouseboutique.com. Our friends Angie and Josh are super creative and fantastic people. Use promo code STORYGEEKS, that's all one word, STORYGEEKS, no spaces. Use promo code STORYGEEKS and get 10% off your next order. Links to our Patreon page, our merch store, and Modern Mouse Boutique can all be found in the show notes or on our blog at thestorygeeks.com. Thanks for letting us interrupt, now let's get back to the show.
0: Let's talk about, is it real, is it not? What is the sunken place? And what's the significance of it? Is there a spiritual significance, a relational significance, a racial significance? What do you think?
3: Um, If we wanted to put a little bit of a spiritual spin on it, I would say it's like your own personal purgatory or hell. Mm-hmm. I, I, I look at it as, as Exactly how they describe it, it's a mental place of what, like your where your consciousness has been pushed down, um, so that somebody else can hop into the driver's seat, mm-hmm. so to so to speak. You know, they describe it just like that in the movie. Is like.
2: You'll be still, a passenger. You're a passenger yeah. in your
3: own life now. In my mind, I was just like, oh yeah, it's just exactly how they describe it. I wasn't looking into any deeper meaning into yeah. it or what it might symbolically represent, um, which I think is is more of like the important question, because I think within the narrative of the film it's it is just what they say it is. If you mm. wanted to like peel back and go into more thematic elements, I think there's something more poignant there, but I couldn't tell you mm. I couldn't tell you what, what Jordan Peele intended. Right. uh for for that particular place
2: i see it as uh kind of like similar like sort of like the the furthest recesses kind of like where i i assume because they don't really say this but it's kind of like where we go when we're in rim sleep mm. so like the deepest oh, deepest like part when you're like in the recesses of your mind and i like how they showed it like it was almost like you know when uh they go like deep in the ocean it's just completely dark yeah like the sun can't even like yeah. get light down there that's what it seemed like to me. So yeah. I'm like, okay, you're kind of like lost in almost the the negative space of your own thought. You feel, you feel alone because you know he feels alone because we've already told that whole story mm-hmm. about being a kid and yeah. your mom was in an accident. So now you've seen him crying for like, I don't know, two, three minutes straight. And now he's Gosh. down in essentially like the ocean. And he's looking up where... You can see the ability to control yourself. Yeah. But you have no ways, no leverage, no ladder, no way to get back. Yeah. And that's scary. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Extremely creepy.
0: And it's really visceral because I feel like I've had dreams like that. Yeah. Like even just that visual of of your entire line of sight shrinking down to the size of a small screen and blackness Mm. is all around you. Like Hmm. I feel like I've had that dream. Hmm. So just yeah. like the man running at me, that's, that's <laughs> another thing that I was already, that kind of hit me personally, you, you too. Like, you were know? already like, oh, no, 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 I can't do this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
2: um,
3: Yeah. just, like, talking about it from, like, um, a color palette and, like, shot composition standpoint, it is very reminiscent of that scene where he's just sitting in front of the TV. Uh, again, if we want to go back to the, the hypnotic effect that screens have on our lives, like, Yeah yeah that's uh it, start, very, it, it feels very familiar when it actually happens to yes. him. Yeah.
1: I, I don't have a, a super different answer than you guys it's just a little bit maybe nuanced here and there so I think the first question I had is like is our consciousness part of our physical body or is it somehow connected to our soul or our spirit and by the way there's no answer to that like no. you have to just decide <laughs> that for yourself it's yeah. like the consciousness exists in the mind the mind exists in the body it's all matter or there's some form of spiritual or there's some form of like spirit or soul that exists. Um, I think for me uh, that it's a little bit of both. Consciousness exists in spirit, soul, and body. Like there's there's some kind of connective tissue there that I don't know what it is. Um, This is what I really loved about this part of the film. Um, I love the fact that the story is indicating that we can live in the real world or after we're subjected to heightened suggestibility, we can then slip into the sunken place. So, the reason why I really like that is because this, the sunken space to me is definitely partially spiritual. Um, the sunken place has to do with our perspective on our own identity. Who are we okay. and what is our identity, right? Um, and we start to follow someone's narrative. When we start to follow someone else's narrative about who we are, and what value we are to the world, I think that's when we start to enter the sunken place. So, okay,
2: okay.
1: so like just to just to, to kind of um, examine the sunken place. What is true about the sunken place? You stop being yourself. You lose connection to your body. You're alone and isolated. Ultimately, you lose your identity. And I think that all of that is very deeply rooted in spirituality and a perspective on spirituality and a knowledge of the truth. Because when we believe what the world wants us to believe, we're no longer believing the truth. And that's where the sunken place takes over. Um, So almost like to me, the sunken place is one of the, one of the more accurate like descriptions of hell that I've ever heard. Like that's where that goes. So that, so the fact that he falls into it and it's, about his identity and his identity being ripped from him. Um, I think all of that really speaks to, to me from a spiritual perspective as well. So it's (laughs) just crazy. (laughs) 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 Yes. It's just frightening. It's just crazy frightening. Yes. (laughs) Yes. All right.
0: So our next question here, Dean reveals his spiritual perspective later in the film. He turns to Chris and he says, what's your purpose, Chris? What's your purpose in life? So the two questions for that are, first of all, what do you believe the purpose of life is? And then secondly, what significance does that have in the context of the film?
3: If we're if we're going at it from a spiritual angle, I'm afraid I can't really give you guys a great answer. <laughs> I'm at a very weird place spiritually. Uh, I'm pretty agnostic these days. Um, but in terms of Dean asking him, what's your purpose? I think that ties less into what is spiritually your purpose or what what do you find fulfillment doing? And I think that ties in more, again, to the commodification yeah. of, like, what purpose do you as a tool serve? Or mm. what purpose do you as um, somebody who should be subservient serve? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I tie it more into that um, commodification subtext of the movie. Um, if you want to put a spiritual spin on it, then, like, I, I guess more of um I guess Chris could probably interpret it more through his work uh and mm. like the, the melancholy um perspective that he gives a lot of his art. Um but yeah, I, I see it more tied in with uh with the family's true intentions.
1: Sure. Yeah, it's good.
2: What do you I, guys think? Me myself I took it as kind of like a kind of like a dig at Chris mm. like like what is your purpose you're not doing anything but mm. taking pictures mm. it felt like the like protective you, father like question like we <laughs> like we know what best to do with your body than you do mm. uh, that's kind of how it's yeah. yeah what are you like what is your purpose in life right you know like we can do better with your bodies than you ever could mm. that's why we're doing this
3: It's like Um, what the brother says in terms of like the genetic question of like, hey, if you like really committed, like you could be at your physical peak, you would be a beast is what he was saying. But like the way he went about saying that is like, you know, if you don't pussyfoot around, (laughs) you could you could become a machine. And it's yeah, it is very much this like I see your potential, and I see what you could be doing with your God given gifts, but mm. you clearly don't see it that way yeah. because mm. you're just hanging out right now. Yeah, you're now. just
2: taking pictures. Yeah. You know, mm. like, what do I- you know? You're what not is-
3: running laps with Grandpa right
2: now. <laughs> <laughs> no, Grandpa running. <laughs> <laughs> because, of course, he's living out his perceived, you know, sliding or his glory days from when he lost the race. Right, yeah.
1: right, right, right. Uh, what I found so interesting about that question, like what's your purpose, Chris? What's your purpose in life? And I think you guys are right about Dean's perspective on Chris. Like he sees him as something to be used. That's it, right? Mm-hmm. What I find so interesting, though, is that Dean's purpose in life is to overcome death, to realize his supposed godhood. Right, that's what he's saying. He's saying I'm worthy of being a god. The only thing that's preventing me from being as such is this body. So I'm gonna take yours, right? Um, And that's his basically. That's his philosophy. That's his. That's his spiritual perspective. That's the
2: Armitage way. (laughs) It's
1: the Armitage way. (laughs) Boy, is it creepy.
3: I mean, yeah. If you they they're looking for the key to immortality. So I'll just speak from my personal Mm -hmm.
1: perspective only, Um, because when I was looking at that, I'm thinking of. He wants to be God.
2: Okay. Right.
3: That's a really good interpretation. Yeah. In yeah. It because it's he's like he's he's meddling Exactly. <laughs> um and he doesn't want to die. Like nope. if he if he didn't want to necessarily become a god then he would just be content with passing into the next life. But no, he's like, I, I'm taking ownership of my mortality.
1: So I I ask myself the same questions he's asking Chris, right? I'm like, well, what is my purpose in life? Like, what is that about? And how does that drive what I do? Because that's the next question. Like, because he wants to be God in order to do that. He has to take life because otherwise he's going to die, right? Um, And so I always say this in the show, like full disclosure, I'm a Christ follower. So I answer the question as one. But I feel like my purpose in life is to search for and love the truth which means loving other people and then telling other people that they're loved by Jesus Christ. And, and I, w- I want to contrast that with what he's doing because he's doing the exact opposite thing of that. Um, and I just find that really fascinating because he's telling he and his family, his wife are telling Chris, you're not loved. All you do is make mistakes, go into the sunken place. Like literally he's telling him to go to hell. Go to a place where no love will be able to find you and that all of the sins that you've committed are on you, dude, because you didn't save your mom and you knew you screwed up. So you're done. And I just think that that's like, it's just such a like demoralizing place for him to go and for him to be. So to me that like, and I've said this a little bit already, but that sunken place is the narrative that we are not supposed to buy. The sunken place is the narrative that says you are nothing, you are not worthy, you are no good, you are worthless. And so for me personally, I think that my, hopefully my purpose in life is the exact opposite of what the Armitage family is trying to say their purpose is, which is to take over. And for me, it's more like, no, I think you need to know today that you are loved.
2: And that makes me wonder, cause I was wondering this yesterday, I wonder if, Rose is only picking people that have some sort of trauma mm. because that's the doorway that they need to open to get that, you know, to kind of unlock that suggestibility. Yeah. Because if you're someone that doesn't have like some serious trauma, I mean, not like, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. like I was picked on in sixth grade or something, right. but like some serious trauma, like I probably could have saved my mom, but I didn't, right? You know, because I was like frozen in fear or whatever to use that to unlock, is that something that they need? Interesting. Because if that's something that they need, then they can, you know, lump all that on you. Like, look at everything you've done wrong. Right. It's all your fault, blah, blah, blah. Like driving you deeper down yeah. the some yeah. place. And yeah. then they can kind of take over.
3: Easier to you know, easier to get that per that type of person into a state of heightened suggestibility. Exactly, yeah. and, and they, they have I to like get that. you
1: there. They have to get you there. It, it, it indicate there's an indication that they have to get you to the sunken place before they can get the yeah. transfer, right? Yeah. yeah. It's just so it's fascinating. I just love that. I loved that he was bringing that into it because I'm like, wow, what he's saying is deeply meaningful to me spiritually not only just in the cultural components that he's brought in. It's deeper than that. That's crazy. This last question is just
0: kind of a fun one. So there's an alternate ending to the movie. And, um, this is the I fun question? This is the fun, <laughs> well, sort of. I think you both said you haven't seen the alternate ending, but you know what it basically is. So basically, in the, ra- in the real cut of the movie, at the end, Rod shows up, and you see this, the lights and everything, and... And you're afraid that the police have come, and they're going to blame Chris for everything and take him away and throw him in jail. And then it turns out to be Rod, and he's there to save his buddy. I love buddy. when the
1: door opens and it says TSA.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He opens so. it up, it says airport. Everybody yeah. was like, yeah! yeah!
0: Well, the alternate ending, it's not Rod that shows up. It is the police, yeah. and they take Chris away and lock him up and yes. blame him for everything that's happened.
3: Now, I'm normally... Uh, the type of person that's like, oh, boo, studio interference, or ooh, you shouldn't follow what the focus group says. But, like, I'm so glad that they changed this ending. Um, Because I I totally understand um, what the initial intent behind the original ending was. I totally get that. Um, But at the same time, because it's also... It's also very much a a conventional horror trope. We were talking about this a little bit before the show. It's definitely a conventional horror trope for the sole survivor or the hero to in some way, shape, or form get blamed for what's happened and they either get incarcerated in a mental institution or they go to jail. (coughs) Like That's a very common thing in the horror genre. But given the subtext of the entire movie, the yeah. very overt text in the entire movie, and just the world we freaking live in, when that cop car shows up, you can hear the entire audience deflate because yeah. they know what it means. Yeah. And they yeah. know the significance of what's about to happen, and they know how the scene looks. Um, so the, uh, the intent... Behind that original ending is that feeling, that that sort of defeat. That, that yeah,
2: because they take the yeah. take the whole, because the whole crowd was just like ah, like the second we saw the lights, we were just like ah, because you know it's it doesn't look good, right, right, it, you know, yeah, just know. So
3: that feeling of defeat is already felt. You right. know, we, we know what's ultimately going to happen to him in this moment. We know the best and worst case scenarios <laughs> of what are what what can happen to him in this moment if it really is the cops. And we feel that, we know it in our hearts. It's not hard to figure out. But then I I love that they changed it because like that it did, it's not the ending that audiences need right now. Yeah. Is, is the way I think that Jordan Peele put it.
2: Even though it is it is powerful, because thinking because I remember, it, I saw him in an interview mm-hmm. where he talked about it. Once you said it, I was like, yes. oh yeah, I remember. But imagine stopping this, because the house was on fire, everything burned down, we assume they don't have any other family members. I mean, the people that were paying for it knew, but they didn't know how to do it. Right. So you've stopped this, but in stopping this, in stopping the enslaving, of other people that look just like you, you are then essentially enslaved for it.
1: Yeah. And oh, yeah.
2: that's a very strong statement. It's also a very sad statement to walk out. <laughs> like uh, my wife just recently, because we have newborn, she hadn't seen Infinity War. Oh, and yeah, yeah. at the end of the Fini- Infinity War when we watched it at home she was like what am I supposed to do with that <laughs> what, am I, what am I supposed to do with that she was like "When's the next one come out I said next year she said next year <laughs> so I can understand like the whole thing it's just be like you know I mean it's it's real life so we understand but yeah. dad. You know, because it's, you know, he did stop them and they won't be able to do it Mm. again. You know, the whole house is burnt down, all that stuff. But nobody is going to believe the mind transfer story. No, And even if they were, any that tape that was playing, guess what? It's burned up. Yep. You know, yeah. any
3: anything. I mean, all they, the evidence is gone now. I mean,
2: you could try to be like, well, the family was doing something weird downstairs I with mean, all that with all that tes- medical stuff. You, but you, right. yeah, you, you could know.
3: testify like, yeah, they had like go look, and there's an operation happening. Like, yeah, yeah. clearly. Oh, that there's the dude with no scalp. Like, yeah. if, no <laughs> if, ha- if he had not set the house on fire, then yeah, like. There would be a couple bodies and in an, and an, a yeah. makeshift operating room. Yeah. So at the very least, you could be like, they were trying to do something to me. Yeah.
2: So yeah, I forgot, because you would have the dead guy with the with no head on. So so you would' have been able to be like, you see
3: you could like go with the the slightly more believable story of like they were trying to steal my eyes. <laughs> yeah, to the blind guy. Right, right. I don't know why they had to take off the top of his head. I'm not a doctor.
2: <laughs> I'm not. A, I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV.
1: <laughs> there is there is one real thing that he said. This is I, so when I watched the alternate ending, I hadn't seen it before, and it came with the commentary mm-hmm. uh, from Jordan Peele. Yeah, and this is what I felt like was so amazing. He goes because um, I didn't I didn't understand this. One of the things I thought of was like, what did the what did his mom dying have to do with any of this right because it was a a motive to get him to the sunken place but then it kind of just dissipated well get this because this is crazy deep and crazy awesome Jordan Peele said that um, there's a scene that happens in the alternate ending where Rod goes to visit him while he's in jail Mm -hmm. and they're talking and uh, Chris says to Rod who's trying to get him out of jail you don't you don't need to anymore And he's like, what are you talking about? Like, I need to get you, this is not fair. And Chris says to him, I'm finally free now. Um, And I don't know the exact dialogue because I was actually more listening to Jordan Beale's explanation. But the whole concept was when he went back for Georgina, he was de facto choosing not to live into fear and was going back to save his mom. So even if you incarcerated him, you still could never take him back to the sunken place. Because he had redeemed himself, and I was like, "That's crazy." He's, he's
3: No longer imprisoned by his. He's guilt. no longer yeah. imprisoned.
1: Even if you put him in prison, he's still bigger than that. He's, his identity is not in the, in that.
3: And I was like, "That's crazy." I, I'm still glad that they changed it because, Me too. like, you still get that redemption from him yeah. going back, um, and, and the the whole social commentary aspect of it, that whole point still gets across yeah. the second you see those lights start flashing. And then
2: mm-hmm. and then Rel is a perfect crowd pleaser. Uh, <laughs> oh, like, yeah. he totally when is. he was like, I'm T S mother instead of handle. It's just so it's so perfect because, you know, we all have that one yeah. friend that it's like that's uh, right, you know, yeah, this is yeah, how it yeah. is. And it was, it was a perfect crowd-pleaser moment.
3: It's such a brilliant thing to bring your audience down to such a dark place, and then immediately lift them back up. It makes that victory feel all awesome. the more yeah. triumphant. Yeah. And it's, it's one of the, uh, I always appreciate any time any filmmaker can make an audience cheer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is, it is, Especially in horror, because in horror it doesn't happen very often. Um, but to, to hear an audience in a, horror, in a horror movie cheer for the hero at the end, it was so good. It was yeah. so good.
0: I think it's super crucial because, first of all, it leaves it on a fun note, which leaves you walking out of the theater yeah. satisfied and feeling like you had fun rather than you just watched a whole bunch of horrific, traumatizing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but when you end a movie on a dark note like that, it's divisive. And people pick one side or they don't. Like, I, that was horrible. That was awesome. And then if he would have done that in this case, it would have also been racially divisive. And so I feel like making this choice to end the movie on the up note mm-hmm. rather than the dark note, he sidestepped that divisiveness.
1: Well, that was a lot of fun, guys.
3: Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having us. Of course. Thanks for, <laughs> Thanks for making
1: the commute. You guys had to make the long commute. We just... Daryl lives <laughs> down the street. Yeah. He's so, like, I walked here. I, I probably could have walked time. here faster than you drove here. <laughs> <laughs> probably
0: so. Absolutely. In fact, I'm sure I could have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it for today's show. Special thanks to Megan Salinas and Michael Young for joining us today. And coming up next week on the Story Geeks podcast will be the next installment of our Scary Movie Month. So be sure and stick around for that. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on it.
1: And be sure to connect with us in the Story Geeks Facebook group. If you want to talk to us about these films and about the conversations that we're having, that's a great place to go. Um, let us know your thoughts on today's show and give us ideas for future episodes.
0: And if you enjoyed today's show or any of our other shows, please tell somebody about it. Share it with a friend. Share it with a geek friend. Share it with a non-geek friend. And links to all of the stuff that we've talked about are in the show notes. So go there, grab them, send them out to
1: somebody. Thanks for listening. As always, question everything in your favorite geek stories and always seek the truth.